May I speak in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I am becoming more aware daily, as it were, that we, and maybe I should personalize it by saying, you are caught in between battle lines. Caught in a space between two opposing forces. As we look at what's happening in the world right now, it's becoming very evident that multiple crises are developing. And I think that from a religious point of view, we can identify these and categorize them in certain archetypal representations. And as we take from the readings this morning, there are two that particularly stand out as ones that we can identify as time evolves in the trajectory of history. And that is the archetypes of Adam, that primal forefather and Christ. And it's almost like they are near identical, except for the essence that they represent. And I like to think of these evolving um, times in which we're living in as spheres. Spheres that interconnect, overlap, and interlock with various times and spheres within them and which we find ourselves in. When we listen to the reading from the New Testament, the Apostle Paul sets out a sort of a formula, a very classical way of looking at the unfolding of time from a Christian perspective. And he talks about the resurrection of Christ being the first fruits of the new life, of the, the conceptual understanding of the resurrection. And it is interesting that he, as it were, connects the resurrection already with the very incarnation of Christ, that Christ's earthly ministry is summed up in this new reality of the resurrection. And we have an appreciation that when he speaks about it being the first fruits of creation, it has a reference back to when the Israelites were delivered from the land of Egypt. And as they entered into the promised land, Cana, God said, when you harvest the land, the first thing that you ought to do ritually is to offer the first fruits, in fact, giving, following your deliverance. And this new land, this new material reality that you have inherited. And then the Apostle Paul talks about the coming of Christ. In the Greek, the word is perusia. But then there seems to be something of a gap. Because it doesn't signal quite the end yet. In the book of Revelations, there is this millennial reign of Christ. A thousand years symbolically represented. And only then will Christ ultimately defeat death. And there will be a new earth. And this is a sort of a three-tier system, a stages for which we are working in. And we are finding ourselves in a particular moment in time in history. Because we are standing in between the eras of Adam and of Christ. And so when we look at the Beatitudes... The Beatitudes represent and sort of refrains this dualistic world that, that, we now, that we're now living in. 
the dualism between Christ and Adam. And, and Christ pits these two sort of economic and emotional states of lives in such a piffy way in saying, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be known as the children of God. Blessed are you if you seek to do well and to, to seek to do good to others and to be humble because yours is the kingdom of God. And in this sort of dualistic, stark, stark contrast of what God and what Jesus is representing, is what he is, what he is telling us, we do know that, that there's, there's very little, uh, very little period of, very little uh, in-between space in this dualistic world, in this dualistic parallel. And yet, we find ourselves in this liminal space, where there is actually not a, an absolute. Because what is represented, therefore, is that we are finding ourselves in between the two archetypes out of two places and two times and two eras. And when Jesus speaks to the people with the crowds, he, you know, he speaks to people that are farm workers, people that are marginalized, and so you get an understanding that he is indeed speaking to the poor. But I think it's much more than that. He's speaking to the poor in the symbolic sense of understanding that when he talks about the poor and he talks about the state of the kingdom of God, he talks about this understanding that there's a material existence that can be fulfilled in the resurrection, in the life that Christ represents, versus Adam. Because when we look at Adam, when we look at that man who had, in the Garden of Eden, stretched out his hand and took of himself, for himself, the fruit of the garden in the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In his self-importance and self-reliance, he, he chose to depart, to took of that which was to his own detriment. Whereas Christ chooses poverty, to give of himself and to give of himself in obedience. And so when Jesus talks about the poor and the rich, it's not just those of a certain class or economic status. He talks about those who are not victims of necessarily a system, but those who choose to live a certain way, to choose to live in a way of generosity as opposed to self-importance and self-reliance. Because as we find ourselves in this liminal space of two opposing forces, of two archetypes, there is this understanding that in this liminal space, you have to have trust. You have to have trust because when you do, there will be a place of lushness, of richness, of this new state of reality that is in the resurrection. And therefore, the beatitude, as I say, is representing a new material existence. And so where do we find ourselves, therefore, in the time and in the course of history? Right now, countries around the world are cautioning their citizens to leave the Ukraine because of an amassing army on their border. 
it represents the ultimate culture of dualistic worldviews that we find in postmodernism. There is this deep mistrust in the world, a hermeneutic of suspicion, that we interpret everything through the lens of suspicion. How much do we suspect our own government having been captured and being corrupt? Society has so much become suspicious of any institution and of anything of, that is of a meta-narrative, of big corporations, of governments. It's ironic that the reason that Donald Trump was elected was because he represented something of an anti-institutionalism. He was against the establishment because it's so ingrained already in this postmodern culture that people have a deep suspicion of big companies, of big establishments. And so how does it play out in our lives? For one, it plays out in culture wars. What is moral? What is just? And on which side of the fence do we sit? And what do we perceive as the right way? And so you see that in these spheres that is culminating between these archetypes, there's an interlocking understanding that, this, that one of the areas in which it plays out is in our very emotions and in our very mental well-being. Because as we are confronted with these opposing forces, on which side do we find ourselves? And how does that impact our own mental wellness? How does that affect our spiritual well-being, our personal faith? And I think for oftentimes we just try to keep it at arm's length and say, you know, we'll just stick our head in the ground and wish it doesn't come our way. And it does, unfortunately, creep closer and closer. And we have to be confronted with this. And in this place where there are these opposing forces, this space, the, 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 the prophet Jeremiah is saying, if you trust, by default you will not have fear. You will be in a place of secure emotional well-being. And so to trust is, a, is actually to practice emotional intelligence. It's about practicing a spirituality that will sustain you as these forces amass and you're finding yourself in between them. And you have to pick a side. And so Jesus is saying, you ought to be peacemakers. Not between the archetypes that is amassing. We're not called necessarily to you to be those mediators, but rather to be peacemakers to those who are finding themselves with us in this liminal space. Because this is a period of grace. And you can show grace to those who are with you and struggling to make sense of this time. In this space, we find that Jesus comes down from the hill to a level space. And so Jesus becomes very approachable. And so, in effect, we are picking a side. We're picking a side to introduce Jesus to those who are with us in this space. The one who presents life. And I think that every person in our society actually very deeply long for this state of life that represents a material existence that is sustainable, that is representative of the resurrection, as opposed to being sucked down 
into this despair of death that subconsciously takes us down. And I think that we're getting to a stage more and more where, if I can put it in inverted brackets, a Christian lifestyle is just not going to cut it. It's just not good enough to say, well, I follow a Christian lifestyle that is good. It's a, it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of saying, what do I put my fundamental trust in? How and what do I build my beliefs on? And as I address my beliefs and as I look to Jesus to do so, it could well change my entire perspective on a material existence, on my material practices, my, my behavior, and my identity as I find it either in Adam or in Christ, in death or in a state of being that is the resurrection. And so, this is what I think we're looking at. This is the archetypes of the eras that are unfolding in our time. And where do, I f and, and, and where do you find yourself in between these forces? Amen.